What's up, everyone? This is Goldilocks, former TNA backstage interviewer, manager, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line podcast. Thanks for being here. TNA Wrestling Cross the Line. back with episode 210 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Conley Jr. With me as always is Dallas Gridley. In Dallas, we had the ever great pleasure of the Sting tribute last week when Surfer Sting returned in the form of Eric Young. And then we also got the, I can't say return of Crow Sting because I'm assuming that's what he will be, but we saw WCW Crow Sting in the form of Chris Harris. And then we saw the version of Sting where he's likely playing golf in the form of Monty Brown. As uh, the heels here do not believe that Stinger will be back at final resolution. So Dallas, I may ask you, are you ready for showtime? That final resolution tomorrow night? Oh, it's showtime, baby. I can't believe the final resolution is tomorrow. What the heck? Where'd the time go? I know, it's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Uh, you did forget a very important part of that, Bob, and that is that there was also the crow mascot was there. There's a chicken too. Oh, yeah, I don't. Hey, come on. James Storm, he was the crow mascot. <clears throat> I didn't really care about that. Uh, yeah, final resolution shaping up to be pretty awesome, pretty great, mostly because things are returning to wrestling, uh, which we're actually going to talk about quite a bit here in the beginning of the show. We have a we have a decent amount of notes um, to get into because there's just some decent long form ones. So I'm I'm uh, I'm going to get right to this, Bob. Because uh, man, we're, and guess we're, what? As you're doing these notes, and I will listen ever so nicely and care. Um, I'm gonna order myself dinner. So. Oh, okay. I can't wait to hear what you order when we get to that point. Um, well, let's talk about our last episode first, which, uh, of course, you mentioned um, the closing segment of the show. So let's hear what Dave Meltzer had to say, and then we will talk about a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so uh, Dave says that. On the January 7th TV show. He says in the post edit process. The sting deal wasn't too bad. He wouldn't call it good. Um, and it was clearly heavily edited. But it built for stings arrival well. I don't know if I really noticed. That it was heavily edited. But never. Uh, if I had to guess I'm sure the uh, introductions. Were. Kind of rushed there. I mean I'm, that's a good point. I guess the way they kind of came out. Yeah that's a fair point. Looking back and now, now hearing that, looking back, I'm sure we'd be able to tell much easier. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier when you're looking for it, right? You know, I mean, there was, for God's sake, Styles, I, I literally watched the same Jeff Jarrett Lex Lovett match, and I didn't know it. Yeah, that was pretty good. So, I forget. 
Yeah. Um, he said, goes on to say that the brawl at the end was stupid in the sense that you have Team 3D and Christian beating up on Jarrett Harris, Her- Her- sorry, Chris Harris, Eric Young, and Monty Brown, while James Storm is in a chicken outfit, just walking, walked around and never got involved. Then he was cornered when the other heels ran off, uh, but he got out of there. So he was gone. Uh, Mike Tanay pointed out that it was Storm in the costume, but he never uh, got defrocked um, earlier in the show. Jarrett had scheduled a team meeting with the heels to go over their sting tribute. Uh, they are trying to give Eric Young the goof position in team Canada as he deadpanned is what he says. I think we've figured that out for a while now that he's definitely oh. becoming the goofball. I, I feel like the, one of the first times I remember noticing when we're like, okay, they're definitely setting this up was in that hockey stick on a pole match. And he had the headgear on. Remember he like put the headgear on and like climbed up to grab the hockey stick. Right. There was something even before then. There was something else, but backstage, it was more subtle. Yeah, it was like a moment where it's like, okay, he has never done that before. Right. It was definitely a a backstage segment. Right. See, now, what I'll say is I've always thought, and I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I thought that it was like a chair shot or something that made him get like goofy but that's so far off like that's not even (laughs) part of the equation i think what kind of what it is is like his is there like a fear of of sting of some kind or something but it could be but whatever i thought it was definitely has not not been the case whatsoever right now apparently when they were discussing the idea to make him like the goof person um he just has a quote. Won't he get mad? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, also, during last episode, Scott Demore asked Jeff Jarrett backstage if he had too many drinks and accidentally blurted their secret to Jackie Gaeta. Uh, Jarrett said that's impossible because he doesn't drink. Uh, all the wrestlers uh, <laughs> stared laughing. Uh, when this played live, all the fans started laughing at that one. Uh, well, so did I, Dave says. <laughs> Um, Gail Kim wanted to see the letter that Jackie Gata gave Scott Demore and started yelling at Jarrett. Uh, the insinuation here is that Jackie Gata knows something about the plot between Jarrett and Scott Demore to set up uh, Raven and steal the title from him in Canada. So about that whole um, Canada situation. Yeah. Controversy in Canada. Uh, he goes on to talk about the Austin Aries, Roderick Strong and Alex Shelley versus Chris Sabin, Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles main event. Went only six minutes and 26 seconds on TV. He says, I wouldn't call it the best match in Impact history. Uh, he argues that the X Division match on the two hour special was better. But given the allotted time, you couldn't ask for or get a better match. Um, he notes that earlier uh, they had Aerie Strong and Shelly complaining to Larry Zabisco. We saw that backstage. And then Jerry Lynn walked in, which no doubt sets up a program down the line. See, that's what I said. You never know what's going to happen. With Aries, I'm, I would assume. Uh, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to complain. Anytime that Jerry, anytime that uh, Jerry Lynn is involved and it's not with Scott Demore, I'm uh, we're good. I'm yeah. Uh, he also says here that he still doesn't fully understand the Ron Killings versus Bobby Roode stuff. It was to set up a, a pay per view match, apparently. But we already saw oh, oh. each guy beat up the other one, the other ones, and actually Killings. Uh, win twice all within minutes 
Uh, if it set up a stip match, that'd be one thing. But we saw three regular matches already uh, to build up a number four on pay-per-view. They also gave uh, FaceTime to Saban, Sunday Jet Styles, to talk talking about growing up and watching Sting in the 90s. Yeah. And the match he was referencing there, in case you happen to miss our last episode, Ryan Killings beat Bobby Roode in five seconds, and then he beat him again in 25 seconds, and then Bobby Roode finally won in a minute and 39 seconds. Yeah. Um, so that should set up a uh, best two out of three falls match. At, uh, final that would make sense, wouldn't it? Uh, the other two matches that he does not make note of in this part here is that Team 3D defeated Buck Quartermain and Lex Levette in a minute 50 seconds to open the show. And also, Apollo and Homicide with Conan and Ringside made their debut as the Latin American Exchange, LAX, by uh, going to a no contest with the Naturals for 20, 27 seconds. Um, and they just kind of just beat the crap out of them. So, yeah. And we officially got the name, by the way, too. So. Yeah, Pretty, and of course it's the the um, typical like in the in a promo, it's referenced. So, so it's like um, I'll just say AEW reference. Uh, I reviewed like the second Dynamite or whatever, or no, the oh, first Dynamite. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> and Jericho is with his group of guy. It might be the second. I can't remember. No, I think it, I think it's the first one. I, I think, think so. The first one. And it's a lengthy promo. It's like it feels like twenty minutes. But he eventually says, like, this is the inner circle. And, like, it's – that's the group. Well, because he – I think – doesn't he say, like, it's my inner circle? Like, it's his inner, yeah, inner yeah. circle of friends or whatever. And you See, knew, but, but I sort of like that. No, yeah, it's not a bad way of doing it. And the way that Conan did it either, it's like, ah, oh, there it is. Like, yeah. and, but the thing with Jericho is, like, you knew the entire promo was Leading to designed that. to tell you what the group's name was. And Conan's – I did not think it was like, hey, this is the group. He just kind of put it in there. And then you're like, oh, there we go. Because right. his is substantially shorter than Jericho. You knew what Jericho was. Well, I do feel like that's also where like Jericho is now. Is like, and you, as, you, as I'm sure you're aware and probably many of our listeners are, he like, when he cuts a promo, he's trying to get something over now. For like the yeah. past three years, it was like, a uh, little bit of the bubbly. Then it was Le Champion. And then it was freaking Le Sex Gods. And it's like he does this to like try to keep <laughs> getting different demo god. And then he was yeah. the Ocho. So it's like he's kind of, This dude has had at least... It has to be eight to ten nicknames in AEW so far. Right. I mean, you could even say... So he got to AEW in what? 2019? 2019, yeah. Yeah, so his last run WWE, I mean, he's getting the list over. Yeah. You know? That's what I mean. All the time, so. But, like, if he's cutting a promo now, he's going to try to slip something in there, and he's going to try to make that <sighs> a thing. Except the Does that kind of show you, does that kind of show you how in wrestling something can just feel like it just dies out super quick? So, like, a nickname for yeah. him could go for four months and then there's a sense of like, Oh, I need to, I need to do something new. I need to update myself like every quarter. Like that's insane. Meanwhile, in the nineties, I'd even argue that sometimes it's shorter than that. Oh, sure. No. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying, so like in the nineties, you would have like the rock, like the people's, the people's champion, right? He, he always had that. He didn't need to then be like, Oh, here's something else. That was it. 
and I think a lot of it has to do with how people consume entertainment. Yeah, you know, it's probably I mean, true. you have a popular TV show back then; it would be something you talk about for months and months, and now it's like, oh, we'll talk about this for three days, and then it's on to the next thing to binge. No, that's true. You know, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, a couple other things about the last show. Um, just there's actually a decent amount here, and one of them I think is really going to surprise you. Um, so Dave notes in a separate note, this is no longer the same uh, section there, but uh, he says that there's definitely concern in TNA regarding the crowd reactions to Jeff Jarrett on the January 3rd tapings, which we are about to watch the second show of, but I do think he's mostly speaking about the one we just watched. So there's no spoilers in here. Um, the fact that his reaction was so negative before he even said a word was the concern. And also because deep down they know it's not heel heat that he's getting. Uh, they still may believe, and probably do, that the audience in Orlando is not representative of the audience watching on television. Thus far, the quarter-hour rating in TNA don't really show much of anything about individuals. The audience grows during the show, no matter who is on, where at this point. Uh, Jarrett is neither a draw nor a turnoff, at least according to the ratings. Uh, for pay-per-view, it's really impossible to tell unless someone else is given a real shot at the world title situation to fly, as opposed to just being given the title with a preordained decision that they are holding it for a few shows until someone else, like Jarrett, gets it back. Oh, so, yeah. unfortunately, they can't, in, in numbers, prove that Jarrett's ruining everything. But the Orlando crowd hates him, and they assume the TV fans... Don't mind him. Yet, Bob, here we are. Dying for this dude to drop the title. Well. <clears throat> give us something I, new. I think, I think to some extent, that's a, like, reasonable um, question. I mean, you're having the same, you're having shows in Orlando now for going on two years straight. I mean, they started in June of 04. So we're about a year and a half, just over a year and a half in. Right. If it's this roughly the same people, and I mean, we've seen a lot of the same people, and by I lie, I mean a couple of the same guys in there. So they're going to develop a certain routine of hatred or, or like for people. I mean, by comparison, do you think that the home crowd is going nuts for Lance Hoyer? Right. And I think that's a, that's a good example. I mean, probably not. But because these Orlando people are attached have more of a relationship that with these wrestlers outside of the arena or venue they're going to react same thing with matt bentley you know am i doing the bentley bounce at my on my couch no i'm not so i think that that's a, a reasonable like hey we we don't think that it's the same thing at at home i think that's that's probably true yeah it's probably i mean you can't knock them for thinking it, but it's, uh, right. it's, it's I, I pretty think, interesting. I think the people at home would be like, oh, I want to watch Jarrett lose. Not necessarily, oh, hey, this guy's really pissing me off. Like, as right. A, not a character. Right. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, also, at this last set of tapings, uh, you won't believe who's backstage. Toby Keith and Dory Funk were there. Um, and Funk and Jarrett had some issues over when Jarrett uh, came to... Uh, Funk's promotion, or sorry, on, on a Funk promotion in Florida as the NWA champion, and there were issues on both sides resulting in Funk not paying Jarrett. 
but everything uh, has been smoothed over. And I do think we might have talked about that at one point, but I feel like we did. So throwback. Anytime though, I feel like Dory Funk comes into some place, like he eventually has a a match. So I'm kind of nervous for like Conan to fight Dory Funk Jr. Now. Well, you know, it's really funny that you say that, and it's a really great transition because there are plans in a few months here to build uh, a Bob Armstrong confrontation with Conan. Um, Now, so a little different than what you said, but, you know, same idea here. Pretty much same idea, yeah. yeah. Dave Meltzer says this needs to be done slowly and with a lot of talking. Uh, The one thing that both have proven is that they can talk. And with Bob at 66 and Conan at 42, nobody's fooling themselves into thinking they can do a pay-per-view match. The idea has to be a six-man tag and build for one big blow-off spot. Uh, In this one, Bob's interviews are key. He said, I've seen stuff like this in the past done very effectively, but in a gimmick situation like this, if the anticipation isn't huge, it's not a direction to keep going in. Yeah, you see, with the, how TNA has presented itself as the young alternative, I think having a 42-year-old man and a 66-year-old man on pay-per-view is kind of uh, contradicting your message. Right. Yeah, pretty interesting, huh? <laughs> yeah, and in the same breath, though, I can be like, oh, Sting is coming in, and then... So, yeah. Well, Bob, you keep, you know, you're really helping me out with these transitions because the stinger. Let's talk about him for a second. Um, I guess you get two sting notes about sting here. And then I have a couple other smaller notes and then we'll get into today's show. And then we'll talk about a couple other things. So Uh, the company announced a press release, which should give you an idea of what they're expecting out of sting. Uh, And just for a reference point, this is from, um, the figure four wrestling uh, number f- uh, 551 from January 16th, 2006. So, but they come out later. So, you know, here we are. Um, so it, it reads in part. Uh, so I'm not reading the whole thing. And I'm actually even going to cut even more out because they just talk about his accolades and WCW and stuff. We, we all know that, but the interesting part, uh, it says he will make his first in-ring appearance for TNA wrestling. On January 15th at Final Resolution Pay-Per-View, held in Orlando, Florida. Now, I'm going to pause right there before I keep going. Because, did you hear that right, Bob? Yeah, that's inaccurate. He will make his first in-ring appearance for TNA Wrestling. Now, maybe they're trying to pull a fast one here. They absolutely are. And be like, it was NWA TNA. It wasn't. Maybe, it doesn't maybe matter. They're still I, I agree. TNA right I agree. Now. I'm just saying. How do we think that they got the footage of him yelling in the ring and wrestling? Okay. Although, that's interesting, too, now that I just think about that. On our last episode, they didn't actually show him working. They just showed him, like, yelling. And it wasn't, like, on the stage. So they were definitely trying to hide the fact that he's been yeah, there. No, they're, they're, I bet you their mindset is, guys, how many people were really watching the asylum? 10,000, if we were mm-hmm. lucky. Yep. Now we have an audience of... 900,000 to 1.2. Right. You know, more absurd things have happened in wrestling than them fudging the factual stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so after that line, um, he's going to, of course, as we already know, to be teaming with Christian Cage against NWA World Heavyweight Champion Jeff Jarrett and Monty Brown, who played in two Super Bowls during his four-year NFL career before entering pro wrestling. So you got to throw that in the press release, too. 
There's a quote. Very humbled that TNA called, and I know this is a great way to give back, Sting said. This this one-year commitment to TNA Wrestling is not about Sting. This is my way of saying thanks to the fans and so many others who helped me over the years. I want to prove myself again, and I know that I have to. To the fans and the other wrestlers, I've been a part of the building process before, and I'm looking forward to the same challenge of building another company. Clearly, the possibilities are endless. And then he keeps going. Um, TNA is a great challenge. That's something I like. I also really like the potential for this company. I know God has led me on a path I am, that I am now on and have a high level of anticipation and expectation for 2006. Uh, TNA Wrestling President Dixie Carter said that she was thrilled and honored to sign Sting, clearly one of the sport's top free agents. Sting is one of the most loved wrestlers in the history of the sport. It would be great to see him back in pro wrestling ring, and I think the addition of Sting shows that the TNA talent roster is the best mix of past, present, and future stars anywhere. So if we're really hyping that up, but if you thought that was interesting, which that one line is, I got another Sting note for you, and there's more quotes. So Okay. And it is going to start with a shocker, because believe it or not, Bob, Sting was backstage at the last tapings. And he did, of course, so the January 3rd taping, the ones we're watching. But he does not appear before the crowd. So maybe a slight spoiler, but regardless, he was backstage. Uh, reports were that he appeared a little nervous because he knows there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. It was interesting that Jarrett noted on the TV show that Sting had signed a one-year contract. It's usually lengths of contracts are not discussed on uh, TV wrestling shows, which we actually noticed that. That Jarrett said backstage, yeah. he's, he's here for a year. And it was kind of like, oh, weird. But interestingly enough, Sting was also concerned that they were waiting too long to put him on TV. And was concerned that if he'd get a big pop when he finally shows his face on pay-per-view, I think he and everyone uh, needs to not worry a bit about the pay-per-view. That'll take care of itself, Dave Meltzer says. And the pop on the show means nothing. He'll probably get a great pop, and so what? Does anyone remember the first pop that D'Lo Brown and Jeff Hardy got? And a lot <laughs> and a lot of that has meant in the long run. They need to worry about getting Sting into a good program with someone other than Jarrett. Or he is in a few months. Now Sting uh, talked to Alex Marvez uh, that before uh, turning to religion, his life was following a bad path, saying if he hadn't, worst case is that he'd be dead now. In the best case, he'd be alive but divorced and almost never seeing his kids. Uh, he said that he considered this year, listen to this, he considered this year his goodbye because of how WCW folded. He never had a finale to his career. He said he feels it meant something that he never left WCW for WWF and is viewing TNA as an extension of WCW. He says, quote, wrestling ended in, a, in an abrupt way for me, he told Alex Marvez. Quote, it was uh, just suddenly done and gone. I am rusty. It's going to be a challenge. But I've worked really hard in the gym trying to get myself into some kind of decent physical condition. So at least I looked apart because I know I will be under the microscope and people will be ready to pick me apart. But I also know that people are rooting for me. I'm just going to do the best I can. I may not do all kinds of crazy stuff on Sunday, but as this year develops, um, he hopes to be able to do more and more. Okay, so I kind of have a problem. Yeah. With 
Okay, so I understand the press conference and everything. Or press release, I mean. Yeah. But on TV, we're presenting it as we don't really know if he's going to be there. Right? I mean, he's mm. teasing with these video things. And no, like, I, no, he's going to be there. Because they announced it on the first, on the midnight show. Like, that he signed, but not necessarily that no, he would. Like, they announced the match. Yeah, but like, if he was going to be there, he would. I don't know. No, I, feel like he would I don't take it like there. that. I don't take it like that. He's playing mind games. Yeah, mind games of will he be there or not. No, I disagree. I think that there could be part of that. In any event, okay, <laughs> the press release, he's commenting on it, and then he hasn't commented on TV. Well, yeah, I do think that is That's kind of, kind of what I'm getting at. It's like he's, you know, a promo or whatever. But then by this, I would have rather him not, There'd be no words, mm-hmm. nothing, no press release, nothing. Show up at Final Resolution and then get that huge pop or whatever. And then have a press release after the pay-per-view. Right. Instead of Stings, doing it before. Back. Yeah, like, uh, oh, he's here. My favorite part of this is, this is my goodbye year in wrestling. And as oh. we know, yeah. <laughs> as we know, you <laughs> know, that's impossible. As of 2023, which, of course, at this, by the time this episode comes out, we are counting down weeks until he apparently is actually going to be done. He says this is his last match, Revolution 2024. However, holy shit. <laughs> 18 gonna... years later, Bob, he was going to be done 18 years ago. Yeah, of course not. If you believe a guy is going to retire just because the promotion he was working with went kaput, abruptly but meanwhile there's been people who have literally broken their necks and were out for three years and then came back like of course he's going to come back and uh, and do it now for 18 years roughly that's a bit shocking but yeah well that is true but and of course he's not wrestling you know 280 times each year right I i don't even think he's had 280 matches over the span of 18 years no, I'd be very surprised about that. Yeah. You're telling me he didn't work the WWE house shows? No. They were fucking wild, though, wouldn't they? <laughs> I'm telling you what, right now, CM Punk ain't, ain't going to be doing that either. There's no, there's no shot. No he is going to be way. the hypocrite of all hypocrites because like, he was one of those people. I'm, I'm here the next night. Roman doesn't work him anymore, does he? Very, very select. Select yeah, house shows. There's no way CM Punk's working house shows. Well, he's well, he's technically is working a couple here at the end of the year, but well, as of this recording, end of the year. Like what? The Garden? Uh, yeah, it's the Garden and the Kia Forum. So I mean, they're not small ones, but right, he ain't coming to Syracuse. No, but that'd be pretty cool. I mean, Co- Cody did, so maybe you would. Who knows? You never know, but I'd be pretty surprised. I'd be sure. Um, moving on. To some more interesting stuff here. Remember how we talked last week about the whole bite this incident with uh, Tad Grisham? Well, of course. Yeah, we got more to talk about with that. Of course we do. Tad um, Grisham, our long lost uh, friend. <laughs> yeah, a t- big TNA fan. Um, so Dave says, well, you knew after last week it would come to this. Now, if you remember last week, he said a TNA fan called. He called him the R word that I'm not saying. And he they edited it out and it was he blew it out of proportion well this week 
<laughs> this week, um, he says, on Bite This, it started innocently enough. A very young kid called to ask Todd Grisham what Vince McMahon thought of TNA signing Sting. Todd blew it off, saying Vince didn't care because he was having too much fun as interim GM of Raw. A second caller went to the Swerve Approach, asking guest Chris Masters if his arms were bigger than Hulk Hogan, and then quickly said, be sure to check out TNAWrestling.com before being hung up on. Uh, Grisham just ignored it, which is exactly what he should have done. Another caller said, hey, Todd, I love how you dodge TNA questions like you dodge women. Before Grisham could yell back, the caller hung up on him. At that point, the TNA fans were looking pretty bad, but Grisham still managed to pull it out of the fire and make himself look bad uh, when he pointed out in the chat message about how TNA sucked. So he still, like, he held back. He saw a message pop up and was like, yeah, they do suck. So he he tried really hard this week to just not comment on it, but he couldn't help himself. Yeah, Todd. He's one of the good good ones. It's pretty funny. (laughs) I like how, like, TNA fans were calling me, like, go to TNAwrestling.com. Right. Like, what the fuck? That's great. Uh, let's see what else I got here for you. Oh, okay. I want to make sure I didn't scroll, scroll up too far. Uh, nothing solid right now, whether TNA will be moved to Thursdays or get Raw's time slot in February, when the week that they're preempted for the dog show. We talked about that recently. The belief, though, is that both will happen. Most likely when Ultimate Fire 3 starts in March or April, it will air on Thursday nights with TNA as its lead-in, which would be far from the worst idea that Alvarez says that he's heard in his life. In fact, this could be a major turning point for all of this because he says he fully expects the Ultimate Fighter 3 to be huge with Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz as angry coaches in the show. Now, Bob, I don't know if you watched it and you can tell us if it was big, but... Uh, so that would have been 2006. Yeah. I definitely... You were hyped? Uh... I well, just because I knew who Shamrock and Ortiz were, I definitely remember watching that on uh, Spike. And then I believe so. Yeah, Ultimate Fighter, they would have a special on TV, and then that's where Ken Shamrock got his ass kicked again within about ninety seconds. Oh, okay. So, I've heard of that. I heard of that. Yeah. Nice. So that's always fun, especially when you're the guy rooting for Ken Shamrock. Right. Um. So they're they're saying, or it's being reported reported that they would get Raw's time slot. No, that's only when the dog show happens. Okay. That they, they'll go on Monday when the dog show is happening. Oh, okay. See, I don't I don't like this. I I feel like you need. But they're gonna maybe move to Thursdays when the Ultimate Fighter starts. Right, and you're saying that's March or April. Yep. Yeah. So we're on Saturdays right now. We've started this in October. You gotta have, I don't know, man. How many how many times has Monday Night Raw switched nights? I feel like it's like a handful. Like it's not very yeah, much. Not year, not for years. You know. Oh, okay, you mean on. like? Oh no, I meant like like one offs. No, I know, but I'm saying like your flagship show. It like doesn't really happen. Night of the week, or like Monday Monday Night Nitro, right? Obviously, it's in the name. It's going to be Mondays, unless there's a preemption or whatever. Now, through the years, uh, SmackDown has changed from... SmackDown's fucking, changed quite a bit. 
Yes, it has. Friday to Thursday to Tuesday, back to Friday, whatever. Um, but they've usually been on a day of the week for years in a row. Like, hey, it's on Thursdays now for five, six years. Oh, we're switching to the Fridays for five, six years or whatever. Tuesdays for a bit. Um, and they made that change because of like a billion dollars, literally a billion dollar contract. So, of course, you're going to switch that night. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but with uh, TNA not having nearly the amount of time in the marketplace, yep. you got to solidify your flagship show in general, but also have it as like, oh, it's, it's Saturday night. I got to watch Saturday Night Live. Or, hey, it's Saturday night. TNA Impact's on. Mm-hmm. Now, if they were to switch, if they were to move it in March or April to Thursday, you have to reprogram your whole audience to now expect it on Thursdays. Right. You know, I don't know about you, but my viewing habits tend to be oh, hey, I watch this show on. Thursday night, or oh hey, I watch it, or you know, Dynamite. Hey, I'm oh, it's Wednesday. I'm gonna watch Dynamite. Mm-hmm. If you get all kind of fancy about this and be like, oh, we're gonna switch to Thursdays, but then in six months, we gotta switch back to Saturdays. Whatever. Yeah, it gets confusing. It's you're you're gonna you're gonna naturally just lose your audience because they won't know when to watch it. Yeah, it gets a little messy. And like DVR, I don't think was uh. No, heavily popularized. And if it was, it was uh, expensive as shit. Like TiVo starting off was like two hundred dollars, jeez, or something like that. And then, like nowadays, it's like, oh, it's a free add-on, right? For a box, whatever. Back then, so I remember being like, I need a DVR for my room, mom, because I need to record wrestling. Literally, and like yeah. you had to like get a separate thing to be able to get the DVR in the other room. Right. Yeah, I remember. So, I mean, if they were to switch to Thursdays, I think it's kind of risky. It'd be, be if it's like Thursdays prime time, different story. That's probably worth it. If it's yeah. like eight or nine o'clock, that's if probably, it's eleven, probably not really worth your time. I yeah, see, I don't know. I would say Thursdays at eleven is far worse than eleven on a Saturday. I agree with that. Because I'll tell you right now, in two thousand six. I'm not staying up till midnight watching Impact on Thursday night. No, not on Thursday. It's just not happening. Saturday night, absolutely. But Thursday, no way. Right. Uh, I just got I got three more notes for you, and two of them are super quick. Um, speaking of watching stuff, um, the – what is it here? The, one, the January 2nd episode, so I, I'm assuming this is the replay. Yes, the TNA replay that night uh, did its usual 0.5. Um, but this time it was for a 90-minute show. Why it was a 90-minute show? I cannot remember. Oh, because they probably did the, the New Year's Eve and the New Year's together. Day special together. That's why. Yeah. But speaking of that, on New Year's Eve, they did a point eight for the APM show and a point seven for the Midnight Show. And Dave says, uh, I'd consider those pretty strong numbers considering the night. So we didn't really, like, Change too much for being on very different times and it being a holiday. Uh, yeah, I'm actually surprised that the midnight one got a point seven. That's hey, not, that's people not. wanted to count down with Christian Cage, dude. 
in one of the corniest things we might have seen so far. That was bad. That that honestly came across like something that we would have watched in WWF 1995 or like 94. Yeah, super With Bret Hart being like, "All right, here we go." Or Diesel. Like Diesel being there, "All right, time." With the pyro. Yeah, we did 95. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, my final note before we get into today's show is uh, the next, uh, as he says, the next bit of unhappiness among talent may be the company wanting to redo contracts to give the company control over independent dates that the wrestlers work. Now, right now, uh, the first step is trying to have wrestlers having the clear, or sorry, to clear their indie dates through the office. There is talk that this eventually uh, leading to the company booking the indie dates themselves for wrestlers, asking for higher prices than the wrestlers themselves charge, and then keeping a commission. A few years ago, they did this, but ended up leaving it alone. Others have suggested, now that the company has a national TV platform, that they pay top guys guaranteed weekly deals and assign them to uh, indie promoters on the weekends and keep a large percentage of the booking fee, although that is not in the current plans. The catalyst of this seems to be Puerto Rico and Japan. While TNA has a deal with New Japan, AJ Styles, uh, its most in-demand performer in Japan, except maybe Team 3D, is working for Big Mouth Loud. Uh, And in Puerto Rico, Booker Dutch Mantel is helping book WWC. The company sent James Storm this past week and Jarrett his future bookings, but Conan and Ron Killings booked themselves to IWA and accepted future bookings in March with the opposition to the promotion, the office is on the side of the, of in the war. So they're kind of there's some controversy, some issues. People are being in too much demand, and that's kind of why they're yeah. thinking about doing this. So yeah. that's an interesting situation. I'm sure we will hear more about that as it develops. I understand I understand what they're trying to do, but when you read it, it kind of sounds a little dirty. Yeah, I'm sure that they are trying to. Uh, they're definitely gonna be trying to, to get a cut. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, so that's funny. I feel like if a guy like um, Styles, right? Let's say he's off. His fee is like six hundred, mm-hmm. and then TNA was like, "Oh, hey, uh, we're, we'll take over and we'll say we want eight fifty. If TNA were to keep that extra two fifty, that's fucked up. I kind of think that's what we're going toward here. That's that's no. See, that doesn't work for me. I think that's stupid for the shit. That's not how it works. That should not be how it works. If you have a guy and you take on his bookings and you can get him a bigger number, you still do a percentage, but you wouldn't take the whole extra fee where he's still making the same fee that he would have asked for. How does that benefit him? Right, right. Doesn't at all. So better off just booking yourself out for six hundred. Or if you know you can get Ray Fifty, just book yourself out for Ray Fifty. Fuck it. I mean, yeah, really. Good. So anyway, uh, that's it. Well, we'll talk about a couple things during the show, but the big stuff is out of the way, and we are ready for the go home edition. TNA Impact before Final Resolution 2006. Yep. I'm looking forward to uh, checking out that pay-per-view. Um, so let's get into it. The January 14th, 2006 edition of Impact. Uh, the approximate runtime for our version is 41 minutes and 49 seconds. 
my countdown from three when I say play. That's when we're going to watch the show. If you want to watch along with us, head over to Impact Plus or, correction, TNA Plus. Um, that's what it's called now. Yeah. And uh, Or you can find your own personal collection that works as well. So here we go. Three, two, one. Oh, yeah. Spike Sports Presentation. A Spike Original. And here we go. This is TNA. And my order is on its way. Okay, so what did you get? Chicken parm. From? Francesca. Oh, good chicken parm. We going right into the intro today. No uh, highlights from last week. Nothing. We're just going into it. Into a phenomenal opening of the show. Finally. Tonight, on the eve of the final resolution pay per view. See, on the eve of Sting's return, we're not thinking he's not coming. They, we we're telling you he's coming. Mr. TNA Award winner tonight. Hell yeah, dude. They just announced some match with America's Most Wanted, and I heard Rhino's name, but I missed who else was in that. Christian Cage, uh, maybe? I don't it's know. It's Christian Cage, yeah. And coming out immediately, we're getting right to the action tonight. It's Abyss. Oh, Where's James Mitchell? This is an Indian announcer. Where's Father James? Oh, there he is. Because God forbid I try to fucking save my life and not do any notes and Dells cries a river about it. I've got a lot of DMs about that. Bullshit you have. Um, all right, I got some indie notes here. Quite a few, actually. Uh, and I guess I got to spoil something, so that sucks. Um, January 6th, Uh-oh. Abyss defeated Sabu in a uh, 1PW World Title Tournament qualifying survival of the sickest match. I don't know what that means. Uh, the next night... Abyss and Sterling James Keenan teamed up to defeat Sabu and Ulf Herman in a hardcore match for 1BW. And then, ladies and gentlemen, this same weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, there is the first UWF TNA live events. Oh. Uh, And, of course, UWF being Hermie Sadler and the Hebners. So, Abyss was on those shows. So on January 13th, in a hardcore match with referee Al Snow. What in the Ab- world? Abyss defeated Sabu, uh, UWF TNA Buckle Up Tour Night 1. And then on January 14th, as he's about to destroy Lethal with shock treatment, January 14th, Abyss defeated D'Lo Brown. Oh. Uh, night 2 of a double shot there. Interesting. Yeah, so he's fighting uh, Jay Lethal, as Bob just noted. He already got the shock treatment in, and Jay Lethal has pretty much gotten no offense. But James Mitchell just hit the detonator, you know, like this. Yeah, that's such hand. a 1986 thing. And you know what he's setting up for, right? It's the black hole slam. Holy, that was like a double rotation black hole slam. Yeah, it sure was. One, two, three. Three minutes, 18 seconds into the show, and we already have our first match out <clears> of the way. So speaking of Jay Lethal, uh, he has some indie notes. Uh, January 6th, he defeated Azriel, Mike Donovan, Pinky Sanchez, Rob Vegas, and Shockwave for top row promotions in Fall River, Mass. 
January 7th, Jay Lethal lost the Jersey All Pro Heavyweight title to Rhino at Wild Card 2. And then on January 14th, Christopher Daniels defeated Jay Lethal at Ring of Honors. Hell freezes over in Philadelphia. Uh, okay, we're we're going through awards all of a sudden. Who to watch in 2006? It's Christian Cage. They're saying oh, Tag Team of the Year, Team 3D. Oh, wait, they won this? Yes. Get Memorable out of moment here. of the year. Christian Cage debuts. The Canadian Destroyer was finisher of the year. And knockout of the year was uh, Jackie Gaeta. X Division star. Of course, it's AJ Styles. Wait. Now, these were voted on by fans. Wait, wait, wait. Feud of the year. Daniels and Styles. Yeah, that makes sense. Match of the year. Barbed Wire Massacre. No shot. No way. And now, Mike Tanay is in the ring. He's going to present the Mr. TNA Award. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. So, wow, we just fucking spitfired those awards. They're voted on by the fans at TNAWrestling.com. It said it in the beginning. Knockout of the year was Jackie Gaeta. Yeah, dude. No way. (laughs) What are we talking about? And how is Tag Team of the Year Team 3D when they were there for like three months? Let's see who's this. Wait, who do you think it is? It's got to be AJ. Samoa Joe. That's my guess. No way. Dude, if, if fucking AMW don't win tag team. Oh, year, third then... consecutive year. Yeah, there you go. Damn it. I thought they were going to surprise us. Oh, here he comes. In his white shirt and jeans. Oh man, dude, that dude, I can't believe how fast they just spit fired those and half of them were bullshit. <laughs> well, that's probably why they did it super quickly. Like, oh, by the way, oh, uh, Exhibition Star of the Year is uh, Kenny King. Okay, and now we go, keep on going. Wow, that's pretty crazy. And I'm Match of the Year, Sabu Abyss, but get the fuck out of here. And Barb White, compared to Unbreakable, I know, I know, is that crazy? Like, no way. They're saying Joe got screwed. The fans are chanting that. That's so funny. Mr. TNA MVP, the phenomenal AJ Styles. Mike, thanks. He wants to thank all the fans who voted for him to win the award. ROH hat right there. Do you see that? Well, the first to find out how phenomenal 2006 is going to be for AJ Styles. But for TNA wrestling. That's it. Speaking of AJ Styles, Bob, uh, New Japan has asked TNA for three wrestlers to appear on the February 19th at Sumo Hall and February 24th and 25th for the Bangladesh shows. New Japan asked for AJ Styles, but they may not be able to get him because of his commitments to Big Mouth Loud. They also want Rhino, and Dave says he's not sure who else that they're asking for. This is for New Japan? Yes. And uh, Shannon Moore just came um, in and threw powder in the face of Styles. God, you kidding me. Um, I actually have a, a note about Shannon Moore, too. On the TNA website, he did an interview saying that the Prince of Punk uh, was who he really was. Quote, the in-ring look of the Prince is, well, the same is out of the ring uh, look for the Prince. When he's back at home in North Carolina, Moore will have... Black finger paint nails, eyeliner, 
and his mohawk will be spiked up even when he's just going to Walmart. Okay, we're going to take a look at Hiromu, or Hiroshi Tanahashi. Did they say Hiromu, though? No, they said Hiroshi. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Tana. One of the most charismatic young lions in uh, New Japan today. Tanahashi so, and AJ Styles here. This is going to be pretty freaking crazy. Yeah. Um, see, now, if this wasn't happening, you would think it would be AJ and uh, AJ and um, Chan Moore at final resolution. But right. I would assume that's going to be against all odds, and I have to deal with mm. two months' worth of fucking Shannon Moore punking out AJ Styles, and that sucks. Um, they also just did a segment asking fans, I'm assuming, what their favorite Sting move is. I think it was just a comment on Sting. Like, oh, the guy in black and white. Well, and I'm assuming they probably, I feel like they had to have asked something about it, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know. That just seemed weird. Um, we're like spitfire and shit, dude. We're not even 10 minutes into this show. And there, I feel like we haven't stopped talking. Yes. You know, remember there was a time when Dave was saying, oh, hey, the pacing of the show was too fast and we were like there's no way this is an example of the pacing of the show being wicked fast dude this is crazy like i'm starting to feel like i'm watching this on one and a half times one and a half times yeah like there's no way oh they're telling us about bob armstrong getting that knee surgery here uh, how am i supposed to remember the matches that they just said were fine now it's like bob armstrong had knee surgery <laughs> okay by the way they said they segment. said abyss and rhino and then of course that tag team event that we already know We're seeing uh, a highlight package here about the Bob Armstrong Conan situation. Wow, we've just said so much in the last couple months. Um, what I was also going to say, but I'm telling you right now, Bob, I have a vivid memory of seeing Shannon Moore throw powder in Silas' face like that. Oh, you do. I when he that just happened, I was like, I watched this. I 1,000 percent watched this. Oh wow! Okay. I'm sorry to hear that one of your first memories for TNA. Uh, That's not my uh, first memory, but... Is on with Shannon Moore. I love how this video package is promoting a 66-year-old man recovery for his eventual payback on a 42-year-old man going in. Oh, man. That's on the young alternative TNA programming. This is straight at you, Conan. BG James and Kip James being interviewed backstage. Where'd this come from, bro? In what pit of hell did you hide these feelings? He didn't really hide them. He was pretty vocal about not wanting to yeah. be a Kip. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, that's actually hilarious. <laughs> She's not very good with uh, hearing people and uh, understanding feelings. You son of a bitch, they censored it. PG, you whacked your daddy over the head with a steel chair. I know I got my family with me now. Your boys are heading for head-on collision with the James gang. See? I don't know. Could that have been their name? But now here's the thing. He didn't set that up like fucking Jericho, where you know it's like, oh, he he did what Conan did. Like he, you're coming up with the James. Like I wasn't expecting him to say that at all. I thought he was gonna say New Age Outlaws. Here comes Samoa Joe. 
All right. I got any notes for Samoa Joe. And if you wanted to wonder, yeah, it's quite a bit. So January 6th, AJ Styles defeated Charlie Haas, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe at 1PW's No Turning Back Night 1. And then Night 2 in a 1PW World Title qualifying match, Samoa Joe defeated Masato Tanaka by countout. January 12th, Samoa Joe defeated Necro Butcher. IWA Mid-South's New Year's Resolution Revenge. Uh, I think that's their second encounter. I can't remember. Anyway, January 14th, uh, Ring of Honor Smojo defeated BJ Whitmer by KO. At Hell freezes over. Smojo's opponent is Cassidy Riley, who's Raven's number one fan still, of course. He's more than that. He's basically stalking him. Literally cosplaying as him. I don't have any Cassie Riley notes. In case you care. Okay, so Larry Zabisco once again has a hand-picked opponent for Raven. And if Raven loses, he's out of TNA. Nice insiguri kick to Cassidy Riley. As Riley was trying to take him down. They're asking Daniels if he is recovered from that concussion, and Daniels just says, I'm committed to uh, take the title. So he does not say he's healed from the concussion. So he's not healthy. See, if I was the TNA doctor, I'd be taking notes here and then saying you're not oh. clear to compete. Are you shitting me? Oh, my God. Really? He... Really? Dude. Oh, wow. And then Joe just decks him anyway. Yeah, so Shanmore ran through the ring with the award, and then Styles came in after him, and Joe just took out AJ, and now Joe just got hit with a Pele kick. Are we about to see his first loss to Cassidy? No Riley? way. Um, I once again, I remember that too, like him running through the ring, dude. I I remember this episode apparently. It's kind of weird. Well, lion saw by Riley, but knees up by Joe. Ooh. Stiff kicks to oh. the midsection. God, man, I no way. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. I would rather take a low key kick than some more Joe kick. I'm sorry. Oh my God, running me in the corner. And you know what he's setting up for? It's that muscle buster. Cassie Riley was uh, 24 years old. Boom, done. He's cooked. One. Well, no, I forgot. He doesn't go for the cut. He's gonna choke you out. And the coquina uh, clutch. Tap out, pass out, yep. A little bit of both there. And, yeah, so Samojo is still undefeated, guys, uh, in case you had any doubt. There's never a doubt. Never a doubt. Dude, we are flying on the show today. Yeah, I'm afraid to go pick up my meal here in a minute because I think (laughs) I'll miss uh, 17 development. Samoa Joe just uh, threw a chair in the ring, and Daniels looks like he was about to get up to stop further damage. Leave him alone. I love that Daniels has his shirt unbuttoned just enough to see that little tattoo on his chest. I'd also like to point out, if we didn't say it last week, in the background you can see a final resolution poster, and it has Joe and Daniels on it. Which right. if you, you noted that last week. <clears throat> I did say that last week? Okay. Yep. I couldn't remember. Because I am pretty sure that is not... Like the DVD cover. Correct. And we can talk about that on tomorrow's episode. Sure can. Oh, oh I thought he was going to hit him over the head. He hit him over the back. 
protected him. Is he got like a little goatee mm-hmm. thing going on? Mm-hmm. I just noticed that different. too. Interesting. Now these guys are fighting, of course, tomorrow at final resolution. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. I mean, how could they not? I don't hate that look for Daniels. More fans talking about Sting. When he was the blonde hair guy, he was the best. Okay, we cut that off real fast. Yeah. So we are with Jackie uh, Gata. She's uh, selling a bra. Oh, God. So what was in that letter that you gave uh, Scott Demore? This is not your problem to solve, your issue. This is between myself and Jeff Jarrett. What's between you and Jeff Jarrett? She says, it's not any of your business. And that letter. I'm going to go get my meal because I don't really care about Jackie Gata's uh, nonsense here. Okay, well. Oh! oh here's Scott Moore. Did you give him the letter? He says, yeah, I give him the letter. She says, and? Demore says, he read it and I read it too, and honestly... I think you're blowing this thing way out of proportion. What you guys did, what you're involved in. Oh, DeMore says he can't be trusted. He's a liar. But the fact is, that doesn't mean that we can't work together for a mutual agreement. DeMore says, you don't have to trust me. I don't have to trust you. But we can still work together, and it can still be profitable for everybody. I'll only work if all the list of demands are met. And if you if not, you know what's going to hit the feeling. She's given a lot of threats here. Demore says some of the demands were a little outrageous. You just wait. It's a little cold in Canada. Oh, there's Shannon Moore. Oh, and here's AJ Styles. Okay, so I see that Demore came in, and then uh, AJ and Shannon Moore ran into the scene, and then uh, Shannon Moore still had the uh, award. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Is Team Canada's A1, Petey Williams, and Eric Young are making their way down to the ring now. Um, Dem- uh, Jackie Gata has a list of demands, and Demore said, those are a little crazy. We could just work together and make money. And she was like, no. Why not? I don't know. Um, I do have a Team Canada now. that be difficult? I know. Um, the, baseball, right. the baseball angle at the last pay-per-view, Dave has clarification that we discussed before. He says, while the original idea was for Team Canada, not the Diamonds in the Rough to work with the baseball players, it didn't happen because Team Canada was doing the Three Life Crew storyline at the time, not because of whatever the other reason they said before it was. Sanjay Dutt, Chris Sabin, and Matt Bentley with Tracy uh, I is thought- their point. Well, yeah, but there was that. But then wasn't there like a tie-in because uh, Simon Diamond's like a big baseball fan? I think that's why they probably ended up going for that. The Bentley bounce. Um, I got another note, too, um, that I'm going to say during this match because I don't think we're going to see him on the show, and this is as close as we're going to get. There were those in WWE under the impression that Roderick Strong's deal was up. Dave says, I don't believe he was made an offer, but our impression is Strong signed a one-year contract with a minimum number of dates. While he's fulfilled his minimum dates, the contract itself only guarantees the minimum dates in the year. 
but the obligation is for the year. Uh, there may also be an option, uh, an option year for TNA, as most of the contracts have that as well. Bottom line, TNA believes he's got months left on his deal. So we may see Roger Strong for at least a few more months. There, wait a minute. For a year, and they're saying that he's already worked all the dates that's allowed it on the contract? Potentially. But Alex Shelley's ringside recording. Tracy distracting PD Williams, get it rolled up by I'm really Mike, confused by that. There's no way I'm going to get all these, probably all these indie notes done in a six man when they're probably going to get about two fucking minutes. All right. Chris Saban. Oh, good. He's got one. Yeah. Chris Saban defeated B Boy on January 7th. PWG's cruising for a bruising. Best two out of three falls. He won that. Two falls to one in 28 minutes and 23 seconds. So not nearly the same as. Killings and uh, Bobby Roode. Let's go to Sanjay Dutt. Let's see. Gets a two count there. Oh, he was on the uh, UWF TNA. Mm. Double shot on the 13th of January. Sanjay Dutt lost to Matt Heisen, who would be Spike Dudley. And then on January 14th, Sanjay Dutt defeated Sonny Siaki. Oh. Night two of that. And then I'll Miss go you. to PD. I had to guess he's going to be on these UWF shows as well. But that's purely speculation until I spotted by dot. A1 caught him though, slams him down on the map. Oh, and it turns out I am wrong. Uh, PD was on the 1PW shows on January 6th, losing to Jerry Lynn in a 1PW World Title Tournament qualifying match. And then the next night, he lost a four way where Jody Flesh. Defeated Jerry Lynn, Johnny Storm, and P.D. Williams. And that is your any notes for that match, I believe, right? Is it, yeah, that's right. Nice work. God bless. We got the Shelly Cam ringside, they're calling it. As Eric Young gets tagged in, Irish whip Sanjay Dutt. Dutt now, I only do any notes for when the people are in the match wrestling. So I'm not doing Alex Shelly because he's at ringside. I'm, I'm talking about the, I'm letting the listeners know. Oh, okay. Matt Bentley never has fucking any notes unless it's cyberspace. So I probably should have looked, but I didn't. Saban's in the ring against Williams. Huge clothesline taking him down. A mule kick and insiguri. Absolutely fabulous, as it always is. In, in case you cared. What was that? You were whispering. His chicken parm is fabulous, but I'm sure you don't care. Oh, from Francesca's. I'm sure it's really good. Oh, it was also probably $30. No, 26. <laughs> Is that before or after your tip and driving uh, delivery fee? That's after. Oh, okay. If that's after, that's not as bad. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's a good deal. Oh, cradle shock. Are we going to see it? Nope. Petey slips out. He knows how to counter that. That's right. That was a whole storyline in 2005, folks. Ooh, Shelly grabbed the foot of Saban. Um, Canadian no. Destroyer, dude. That transition was fucking awesome. Yeah, that was good. so good. And that's a three count, of course. Oh. That was nice, dude. See, I, I should have thought that Team Canada was going to win that, but I really didn't think they were. We haven't seen that smooth of a Canadian Destroyer transition, I don't think, ever. Yeah. Like, that. usually it stands there, does the taunt, 
Are we right, gonna see right. like the full thing? No, not really. It just kind of just shows. But dude, it was like fucking butter. That Ooh. that was a good flow. You just flowed right into it. It was so good. And that was the more complex move of the night. Before we get more comments on Sting's return, we're gonna see this special that... video package. Oh, on Raven. I wish that when the, like Morphoplex showed up, that Larry Sabisco's face would just pop up on the screen too. I like that idea. Raven talks about his first appearance. He took the title from Jarrett. He said broken ribs. Raven was Shannon Moore before Shannon Moore. His most painful experience. He got scalped. Remember that? Remember the scalping? Uh Uh-huh. What's funny is that his hair's never fully grown back in from that scalping. So that's a really good point. I don't even know who my opponent is in 24 hours, and I don't even know who I'm facing. I hope he brings someone else from my past. Who do you think it could be? Well, we've been doing a lot of ECW guys. I obviously know Canyon is not. In this, in this regard, I don't think it was. Um, DDP? Well, we saw that already, though. That's well, that doesn't mean anything. Um, I would think Sandman. Oh, Sandman would be good, dude. Right? I mean, that's got to be it. You got a sit-down interview here. Well, a video package with Jarrett and Monty Brown sitting in the empty stands. Survival of the fittest. Teenage hanging their hats Great on Sting. If, if he was healthy, was uh, would be Perry Saturn, but he's not going to be able to do that. Oh, Perry Saturn. But what about Billy Kidman? We've heard the no, rumors. Kidman. We've heard the rumors. I would think that'd be a great idea. Yeah, that'd be good. You know why the parody thing was so disrespectful? Because it was the truth. That's what he said. Oh, you got to show the Hogan, dude. You got to show the Hogan beatdown. Especially when you're talking about beating up Sting, you have to show it. Sting was on top of that mountain for a lot of years. And one time I respected the guy. I love these, like, teases of, like, seeing Sting as if he's really going to look much different. But I really like him. Here comes America's Most Wanted. Um, Impact main event. So, Bob, I have like two more notes for it, I think. So I'll try to do this during the What are you waiting for, dude? TNA hired a guy whose last name I'm going to definitely butcher here. Greg Castron-Uvo, a senior marketing consultant. Um, Our buddy Greg here worked for WWE as senior vice president of marketing from 1998 to 2002. And was also VP of marketing for NBC Interactive and VP of marketing for Fox Sports. So there is some decent connections there, I'd say. Um, And finally, as AMW is finishing up their entrance with their awesome jackets and Gail Kim ringside. Uh, And you're Bob, you're actually probably going to tell us about these uh, here at some point, but I'm just going to give a little preview taste of this indie note. Uh, The one PW range shows on January 6th and 7th. I've already been mentioning those. Well, I got more to talk about them because they were 
This was my guys. point about me doing indie notes. Dallas don't pay attention to nothing. I didn't hear you say the company. What? I say it all the time. I only remember the company when it's like, hey, Ring of Honor. Well, now you'll pay attention when it's fucking 1PW. Because well, I just worry. said about AJ Styles and all them being there. So whatever. Go ahead. Guess what? It's about AJ Styles. So Of course it is. Uh, Bret Hart was there, just so you know. Okay. Um, And they used a lot of TNA talent and top U.S. indie talent. I don't have all the names because I just don't. Oh, yeah. See, this is the Masada Tanaka one. Anyway, here comes Christian Cage. Um, The second night. Did Tanaka get hurt or something? Oh, let's see. And that's why there's a count. Oh, you see. Okay, this is funny, Bob, because I didn't even see Samoa Joe's name here. So I didn't even make this connection. I don't have that part highlighted. I didn't even see it. Oh, um, yeah, because like, the match was said it was under five minutes. And anytime there's a count out. No, it just says minutes, it was the crowd chanted bullshit about it, though. Okay, so they didn't like it. Right. Um, the second night made event we did not talk about yet, though, because it was uh, AJ Styles pinning Jeff Jarrett. But the interesting part of this is that Jeremy Borash was guest ring announcer. And clips of this is apparently going to be airing here on TNA here eventually. Uh, fans chanted drop the belt to Jarrett and he threw the belt in the air and pretended to drop it. The usual Jarrett match with brawling false finishes and multiple ref bumps ending with uh, Styles using a tombstone pile driver and spiral tap for the win. Loud TNA chants during the match. Both nights of this show uh, drew about 1500 fans which were almost sold out. Uh, they come back with the continuation of the IPW title tournament and a lot of TNA talent including Christian in March. So we'll be hearing more about the one PW. Yeah, it's a, it's a short lived uh, promotion, but we will. Uh, all right. Rhino. I already mentioned that he defeated Jay lethal for the Jersey all pro heavyweight championship back on January 7th. But on January 6th, Rhino defeated Apollo for IWA Puerto Rico. Hysteria Barrett. Barracuda Tour 2006. Oh, dropping WWE names here. I know. Did you hear that one? Uh, and that is your indie notes for this. Uh, this nice. As Christian Cage and Chris Harris are facing off in the ring here. Harris counters. Oh, I thought he was going to be a powerbomb, but no. Hurricane Rana by Christian Cage. He's got to stay up with the young guys doing Frankensteiners. Another guy who, dude, this could have been his last year, you know. He left it, and he's been wrestling for 18 more years. Christian Cage? You just never know. This could have been his farewell tour. Because <laughs> he left, dude. He left the company. Left Christian WWE. Cage tags Rhino in. Irish whip. Rhino with a shoulder block to Chris Harris in the corner. That's not a gore. However, since the gore is his signature move, that could be pretty painful still. It, I don't understand how that's not the gore when it's literally the same move. Shoulder block. Yeah, well, so is a gore. Yeah, Rhino versus Abyss. James Storm is in the ring now, by the way. Hip toss. Oh, shit, the gore. He's going to hit the gore? No, he went for that shoulder block, but James Storm Mm -hmm. moved, so Rhino ran into the middle turnbuckle. The armbar drop-down DDT move. It's an arm breaker. It's fine. Arm breaker. 
Today just called a drop down with the armbar. So Harris is back in the ring now, going after Rhino. Dude, this show has been. I feel like we've had the, our foot on the freaking gas. Yeah, it makes you wonder if they could have uh, spaced it out over the last several weeks better. Well, that and like I don't know if maybe do you think maybe it's them trying to shove too much of this random like sting talk in it to let it's like making everything else feel rushed because they're like let's have the fans talk about the scorpion death drop twice yeah you probably you realistically you probably don't need that tko here by rhino onto uh harris uh yeah you probably don't need that not i don't even know how long well so we've had video this has been like a very segment heavy show and there's still four matches on the show so which is usually what it ends up being for impact but these matches have been so fast we've been seeing with the shannon moore thing the mr tna awards um jackie gata's interview this two sting fan talking interview as christian cage gets belly to belly suplex to the floor they're they're making it sound a lot more dangerous than it just was he said over the head release german suplex to the floor it's sort of what happened but not really back from commercial then we had a raven in the raven interview the Jarrett and monty brown like one that just happened yeah they're fitting a lot there's been a lot who has not been on the show (laughs) that's a really good question sabu i guess but i don't yeah but sabu's not even signed Right, and he's not advertised for Final Resolution. I mean, if you were to base it just off the of Final Resolution. Oh, everyone. Well, you know, we haven't seen LAX. I'll say that. That's true. But we, we did see seen... a highlight package. We saw a highlight package about it. <clears throat> yeah, we haven't seen um, Ron. Ron or Bobby. Right. To be so. fair, they just wrestled three times in the last one. Right, I mean, so that kind of, you don't probably need to see that again. Yeah, for an hour show, I mean, you're getting that many guys in. That's impressive, but also, like, how am I supposed to remember everything that I've witnessed? Going for the super kick, countered by Christian Cage. Reverse DDT. You're following along, by the way. We're 34 minutes, 11 seconds into the show. So we are getting there toward the end. Christian Cage going for the wrong corner. How do you not realize that that's not Rhino? Now he has, and it's now the wet hair, dude. Oh, let's see. Does he realize? Yeah. Oh, wait. What's that? Oh, Rhino's over here. Let me just tag him in right now. Here we go. Rhino's in. Here comes Rhino. Belly to belly suplex on on James Storm, going right after Chris Harris. Now Rhino already whips him, but Harris kicks him in the head. Comes back, spine buster by the man beast. Goes for the cover. One. No. Two. No. No. Kick out at two. They're counting that as a tag. Christian was literally standing (laughs) on the floor. Wow. All right, Rudy. Keep that same energy. Cross body. One, two. This is non-title, right? 
Correct. I see. Ooh, Harris poked <laughs> him in no the way eyes. That we get. You think we get a clean finish here at all? There's no way. I'd be pretty surprised. <clears throat> if it's on anyone, it's going to be... I feel like on Rhino, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Gal Kim comes in with a low blow. Oh, Referee's distracted, though. Christian gets rolled up. No way. <gasps> oh, <laughs> that was yeah, so freaking close, dude. Really close. I thought Harris just got one of the biggest pins of his career right now. Oh, oh but Brother Ray just knocked Gal Kim oh, off the top great. rope because she was going to take out Christian. Devon's also ringside. Does he have all oh, the handcuffs? Yeah. The reverse suplex, <laughs> double team reverse suplex. Now, there's people in the crowd that still say 3D to that. That's not the 3D. Oh, the gore by, dude, that gore in James Storm was nice. Christian with the frog splash on Harris. Okay, Christian pinned Harris. Well, well, it certainly wasn't clean. They had some help. Not even remotely. See, the crazy close. thing is that still makes AMW look strong. It took four guys to beat the two yeah. of them. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, they, they needed a lot of help there. It's because they're so fucking good. Oh, the alpha male Monty Brown and Abyss. So Monty Brown's going after Brother Ray. Abyss went after Rhino and now Christian Cage. And Jarrett is going right after Devon. What's about this to happen, Bob? Because this is where Sting comes out for the last uh, twenty seconds of the show, ruining the pay per view. And then you're there's like, there's no way. Black hole like slam on Rhino. Seconds. Listen to the crowd. We want Sting. We want Sting. All right. Well, then buy the pay per view, dude. I almost. We'll see did. you Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> We're running out of time. Is the alpha male about to hit the kill switch? Oh, no. Oh, Christian slipped away and Jarrett oh, hit Monty man. Brown. Christian's cleaning the house. Oh, he threw Jerry out of the ring. Uh-oh. The pounce? Nope. Dude, Christian always gets hit with the pounce. Pounce! I need that shirt, dude. The tiger print. Not the guitar shot. Jared has the guitar. Alpha if Mask. Monty Brown holds Christian for this, he's going to hit Monty on accident. He's this. He's it, man. He's holding him. Look at that. Oh, oh nope. shit. Well, got and Jared's music's playing. So mm-hmm. we ain't getting even the tease we thought we were going to get. Well, <clears throat> this just means... Oh, here we have a mega I thought they were here. scissoring. Well... The handshake that unites these two. <gasps> the lights are out. Oh, Sabu. This is the missing piece. It's Sabu. Oh. There was, he yelled. He went, oh. Oh, he's talking. Queen of the hell. Alpha female. Alpha female. That's rude. Let the mind games begin. Look up in the rafters, Jeff. I'm up here. Now under the ring. They're all like looking all over the place. 
You better have eyes in the back of your head at final resolution. Because at final resolution, it's going to be showtime, folks. Okay, so. As Sting's music is playing, as we're probably about to go off the air any minute. Uh, how do you feel about that? That we heard from we heard from him. We're closing with a three live crew highlight video. Son of a bitch. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't mind that. That I tells like, me that I like that he was if he was there, then you know he actually did something. You don't see him, but you hear him. I like that. I that's fine because you know what they've been teasing with the music and stuff for how many weeks now? Four weeks. Okay. You finally hear him at the end of this impact, and you're like, "Oh, now I'm ready." I right. like, that. and he confirms it'll be showtime at final resolution. So then you know that he'll be there. I like Dad, that. Dakota, that was my daddy. Dad, Dakota. Oh yeah, we're gonna highlight pay, and now it's picking up. Boom, boom, oh, this boom, is just boom. over the course of what's happened the last several weeks. This is what they would show at the end of the pre-show to get you to make sure you buy the pay-per-view. I feel like, yes, and I'm sure, I'm sure they do. Show we'll find out. Show. I don't know if we're watching the pre-show or not. Okay. I haven't checked. The look. There was, there hasn't really been hype for Rhino Abyss directly, has there? Um, they've fought a couple times, but like that's it. Yeah. Couple brawls. We got. This show is definitely Joe. heavier on, uh, obviously staying that tag match. AMW Team 3D and then Daniels Joe. Like, Wait, that's AMW. Do we know about AMW Team 3D? And I just forgot about it. Oh, we knew. They got to be losing the belts then, right? Is this it? <sighs> it probably makes the most sense now, right? I would imagine. I mean, you've dragged it out till January. <clears throat> it makes it makes sense. It makes sense. That's a pretty good card on paper, man. It is. <clears throat> it really is. What a surprise. <laughs> That's sarcastic, of course, because I feel like we haven't had a bad card on paper in a long time. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay, Bob, what do you rate that episode, the go-home episode, before Final Resolution? I'm giving it a thumbs up. Yeah. It was fast, and it was a lot in the beginning. Well, I'd say if we were just watching casually and not also trying to like talk about it and other things... I think it probably would have. I mean, it would have been fast, but it would have been wouldn't have been overwhelming. Um, if I was doing a written review of it, I am probably pressing pause about eight times. You're pausing for sure to catch up. But yeah. Well, uh, we pretty much talked about the matches we know for final resolution, so I don't know if there's really a need to uh, go down that card again because we literally just saw him at the end of the episode, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely excited. I think Sting coming in here is going to be a lot of fun. And I am really excited to uh, see this. The um, Tanahashi versus Styles match is going to be really cool, mostly in hindsight. I mean, at the time, I don't know how exciting it was, but in hindsight, that's going to be so fun to see. Um, Jeez. Raven, who knows who he's going to fight. Those have started to get a lot of fun, I think. Mm -hmm. Team 3D, Mavericks Most Wanted. I mean, that's going to be good. X Division, going to be great. Sting's going to be there. I freaking can't wait for Final Resolution, Bob. Our first pay-per-view in 2006. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, there's a lot of intrigue <clears throat> attached to um, attached to this show. I mean, I, I think 
the tag title match, Joe Daniels, and then obviously Sting's return. Those are all three main event matches. Like there's no no doubt about. Are we, we are assuming that James Gang is fighting LAX, right? You know, I feel like if they were, they would have told us. But I feel like they would have. Yeah, you would have. You would assume that maybe this would be like the perfect setup. Like it's literally, but maybe it's too too um too new. We haven't seen enough of LAX to really you know get that emotion. I or think at least like BG James against Conan or something. I think they should at least do that because I think the the money in that angle is the teams against each other. I mean, BG and Conan, I think you want to see, but I don't know if that's like the big one you want to see, you know? Right. I want to see the guys who beat up Bob Armstrong and like maybe they're the ones who got in Conan's head more. And you know what I mean? So it's like I want to see them fight. Yeah, no, I, I, guess, I, I guess we're going to find out. Um, hopefully soon enough. But let's be real. They milked the whole angle for eight eight months or more. Wicked who, long. Who knows how long they're going to milk it for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't know. Um, all right, well, our next show, as if it's not abundantly clear here, is uh, tomorrow. It is final resolution. Let's and it go. will, in fact, be showtime, the return of Sting in a professional wrestling ring so be be sure to join us for a final resolution tomorrow so until then for dallas gridley i am bob Gunn jr and this has been the tna cross the line podcast <laughs>